Yeah, Jenny, get them. All right, last week we were speaking about um, our DNA and our vision. So I want to do something real quick. Who remembers the four things of our, our DNA that we were expressing last week? Does anyone remember them? Just shout them out. It's okay. Discipleship, yes. Yep. No. Um, loses the point. One mark off on score. What else we got? Mission? Yep. The last one starts with R. Reformation. There we go. All right. So I want to, I want to, you are listening. Fantastic. Uh, Benny, you want to put the first one up? So I'm just going to quickly recap it. Um, so we were talking about the fact that we, uh, what is this church? What has God called us into? What is it that we are, um, stepping into? Um, God gave Jess and I this, um, vision, I guess, from the start of the year, and we've been developing it with um, a few guys from around the world, with Mal and Edith and, and a couple of other guys, as to what God is actually calling us to be. So the first one we looked at was a discipleship, a house that is disciples creating disciples, that we come into the house to learn and to grow, to then go out into our spheres of influence and continue to disciple. Um, so a house that is creating disciples. The next one that we looked at is um, reformation, to create um, a church, a house, and a community that is going back to the original thought pattern and original um, process that Jesus put into the New Testament. The church that he began building and we can continue building. I think that in, especially in the West, we've lost um, the vision of that, what the church was meant to be. So a part of this reformation is taking the church and, and looking at the scriptures and, and saying, God, what, what did you originally put together in place for this church. The next one that we looked at um, as a part of our, our core DNA is our mission. And I explain the fact that you can't, every church you go to will have this in some form of their church, that the Bible, when you read through the New Testament, you can't escape mission. The very, the very thing that we're there to do is mission. So this house will, will be a, a place that, that trains people to come in, to grow and to go back into their spheres of influence, whatever that may look like. Uh, an open hand church that that says to guys, we want you to follow where God wants you to be. And we want to encourage and grow that so that you can go back into your sphere and build that. The last one that we looked at was, is, Ben, are you keeping up? You're a legend. Um, the last one that we looked at is uh, focus. So the fact that in, in a lot of churches, and, I, and I'm not trying to be um, putting down other churches, but we just, we, we, I feel that there's, there's always things that we can do better as well. And I think every church has something they can do better. And this is just our look at what can we do to lay the foundations for this church. The other one that we lost, that we put in the vision was focus. So the fact that the church at the moment gets very confused. It's very um, focused on the wrong thing. We want to attempt to remove that and, and put that in a place where the church is focusing on Jesus Christ. That as we flip through the Bible, what we see, what we read, what we what we look at in, in Acts and, and in the early church, we, what we see them doing is the model that we mimic. So the fact that these four things are the, the DNA, and then we looked at the, the vision, which we can, we can shoulder later. But I want to go to the, the last step that I had in this, and it's explaining the, the model of leadership that um, we can see in the Scriptures. So this is something that myself and, and Jess and Mal and Edith have have looked over, I didn't come up with this, this is not my genius, but it's been around for a little while. So just go to the next slide, Benny, please. 
back one. Go back one. That's the boy. So the, the, the model of church that I want to explain, I want to explain the wrong model first so that we can, what I believe and we believe as a, as a church family is the wrong model. And I want to explain that from a quickly the, the wrong model so that we can begin to understand what it is we're trying to lay down. So in the first triangle, do you see a, a monarchy, an episcopal, patriarchal type model? And I'm going to explain that. Don't worry. So what is that? Yeah, I don't English well. So, <laughs> so the very first model you see is a triangle, right? And and a lot of a lot of business structures are built like this. And it, if you look at a triangle, there's a point at the top, and it works down to the the bottom feet is at the bottom. So a lot of churches are built from a position of of one leader, which in most circles we know is the the, the pastor, right? Um, but then it feeds down below the rungs to the, 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 bottom, the bottom rung. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen the, um, the business model with the birds and the, the, the poo on the bottom rungs, and then the, the, the very bottom rungs just covered in all the poo from the upper rungs. Okay? So, so the model is very, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure a, lot of us, a lot of us have been um, under leadership or, or in a church of, of somewhere where there's at least an element of this. Where there's a, a, a hierarchy, there's the, the 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 man at the top, the big guy, where nothing happens without the say so and the okay of, of one one person, predominantly a couple, but in most cases one person. So this this model is is very um, evident of of it's always that one thing. So if, if something happens that that one person doesn't like, the church goes that direction. But what tends to happen in this model is that we lose the vision of God and we start heading toward the, the um, tradition of the man. So a, a lot of the times we look at the model and we go, okay, it's fantastic at the start, but cracks start to show. You know, the, the chairs start not being in the right place. The things start to, to fall apart. And the, the leadership gathered is actually everything happens by this one person. Now, we've seen it in, in many large churches where that one person stumbles and something happens. They do what humans do and they fall to temptation. And then the whole church crumbles. So the whole church then is built on, on one couple, one man. And when they fall over, the whole thing falls over. We've seen it so many times. And, and I've, I've actually had conversations with guys that go, I don't know where my faith is now. Because I, everything I had was in that one man. He was a brilliant preacher. He was a brilliant speaker. And then he got caught up in something. And now, do I toss out everything he said? Or do I continue to believe what he was saying and walk in that? You see, the model is built on a, on a triangle where he fails, everyone else fails. But yet we read in the Bible to put our faith and our trust on God and to hear what he has to say, yet so often we put it on, on one person. The next one you see is the, the, the same model yet flipped upside down, that the people get to vote on certain things. The danger in this is that we, we see in the Bible that God calls men into a place of influence who shouldn't normally be there. You look at some of the, the, the prophets. Look at Daniel, the prophet to the king. He, he was somebody that shouldn't have really been there. Yet God called him into a place because he gave him voice. Now what we do with, a, with, a, with an upside-down church is that we, we feel that God allocates a leader, but then we take all the power that God gives to that leader and we give it to a group of people who haven't been called into that position. So the reason that... that the, the, the voting system, we don't, we don't see it in the Bible and we don't see it um, outwork well is because the, 
the person of God that's called into that place is then lost all the power and it's given back to those who haven't been called to lead that church. So the upside-down model, the, the democracy-slash-congregational model, is that we all get to have a vote and a say, yet that's not what we see in the Bible. We see a freedom and we see a, an expression of, of opinion and heart, but we don't see that voting in the way that a church should, should build its structures. This is the model essentially that we see in, in Parliament and we see things tossed and turned and flipped upside down and passed backwards and forwards because there is no strong governance from one person because it's handed to a group. Now, ideally, yes, that's a, a country that you want to live in. But in a church model, when we say, God, who do you want to lead us? You look at Moses. Moses didn't offer a vote to the, the people. He did what God called him to do and he led them into the promised land. I would have voted Moses out the first year of the, um, of the, the desert, wouldn't you? Get out. We need someone else. I'm done. I'm done walking. I want water. Someone else, Bob here, he's going to bring it to us. It just wasn't going to work. God called Moses. Why? Because Moses was willing to listen and he'd given Moses the gift to go and get the people. But we couldn't, he couldn't give them a vote. Otherwise, what's the point? He may have just not called anybody and just said to the people, hey, you guys just vote someone in. He'll work it out. The last model that we see is a very dangerous model, and it's the egalitarian, I like to call it the anarchy model, where everybody is anybody. So we, they take the, the, the freedom of equality and they put it to a line where it's, it's so loose that, that nothing happens. I've been to a church once where this model was, was present and the church was supposed to start at a certain time, so everyone was there ready for the service, but nothing happened. And you think, okay, and then, and then you waited. It took two hours before anyone even came and begun a service because there was no one directing the thing. And when you got down to the crux of the church, there was actually no direction, no, no uh, vision, no, no path to walk because nobody was leading the, the team. So one guy wanted to go this way, the other guy wanted to this way, and who gets to decide? Well, we just will go both ways. So when you get to a, a place where, where the church has no leader, they have no direct um, link back to, to, okay, where are we going? Lead us in a path. We just end up going nowhere. It's like having a ship without sails. It just stays on the, on the dock. We talked last week about the fact that a part of what we're trying to express in a, in a vision and a DNA is the fact that the wind can blow two ships two different directions because of the sails. That God gives us vision and direction so that we can use the wind, His Holy Spirit, to move where the church is being called to move. That vision that, that God gave me this morning about the different churches is that we are not in competition with the churches around the Gold Coast. We're actually in unison with the churches around the Gold Coast. We're all fighting for the same thing. A city sold out for God, a country sold out for God, and a, a, a world sold out for God. So when we start to understand our vision and our, and, our, and our purpose that God's giving this house, and each one of us individualistically, we can start to understand where he's leading us and go in that place. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the church down the road, literally, isn't a threat because actually now they've got a different core. How can we help your core? So we have to understand that there is leadership, there is a, a pattern of authority, but it isn't captured in any one of these 
these models. In actual fact, all three of those lead to a, a community breakdown and a, a relationship breakdown. Go with me in one moment when I get back to my notes page. Go with me to Luke twenty two twenty four. if you have a Bible with you. All of us here, unless you aren't a Christian and have never heard of Jesus before, will, is happy to, un, to accept the fact that Jesus carried authority, right? Jesus had authority. When he spoke with the disciples, he had authority as man. He obviously carried authority in his deity as, as, as God, but in his manhood, he carried an authority. Luke twenty two twenty four. 24. So this, this passage of Scripture comes after the Last Supper. They've just had the Last Supper with Jesus. He's given them his bread, his body. He's entered that, that, um, the blood covenant that we spoke about. The first thing the disciples get into a dispute about in Luke twenty two twenty four, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So they've just sat with Jesus. He's explained, I'm going to go to the, to the cross, essentially. Here's my body, my wine. And then the disciples get into a disagreement as to who was going to be the next lead guy. And Jesus responds to them with this. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. So he's talking about the, uh, the, the world's version of leadership. And then he says, but not with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is not the one who reclines at table, but I am among you, as the one who serves. You, as those who have stayed with me in my trials, I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, so uh, that you may eat and drink at the table of my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the twelve disciples, tribes of Israel. I'm not going to get into that. But what Jesus is saying here is that I'm sitting at the table with you, yet I've served you. So who of us is the greatest? He's actually in that passage putting a, an equality among the men, but yet, pardon me, yet he carried authority. So he had the authority, but he's saying, but, but we are equal as men. I am the authority, Jesus is saying, yet I sit at the table with you and I serve you. So I both recline at the table and I serve you and I carry authority. But he was saying to them, there is an equality among men. So just go to the next slide, Benny. So if you have any questions, please shout them out. This is a model that, that I don't think many, many people will have seen before. Some of you may have, but I'm trying my, my best to explain what we see in Scriptures and explain the fact that there, there is an equality among men. So obviously we understand that the foundations of the church are built on who? Jesus. So he is the, f the, the first. So everything that we do come from the guidance and the counsel of Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit in, um, in a way that ascends, ascends the Father. So Jesus is our number one. Everything that we build on. Now, we have to explain that. Because a lot of churches are happy to, to, to say that's the way it is, but then when they start to outwork it, that's not what you see. So when you can actually explain, no, this is what the crux of the church is built on. 
when you start to not see that, there can be a question of how come we don't see this then? Why are we seeing pain and suffering? Why are we seeing non-acceptance when you're saying that the church is built on he who carried ultimate love, he who carried honor, he who carried justice? Because how can Jesus lead the church and then tell us not to honor one another or tell us not to love one another? The next rung along you see are the elders, then the deacons, and then the saints. I can't find another model in the Bible other than this one. That there is an equality among men that talks about the fact that, that we are all equal, yet there is authority given to some. A, a word that's known as a, a theocracy. So that God called, God ordained, leads men and women in, a, in a, a manner that is equality, equal, but there is authority. Ecclesiastes 4.12 talks about the fact that a threefold cord cannot be easily broken, that a man on his own can easily be broken, but a threefold cord cannot be broken. Yet we build churches based on two people, a husband and a wife, predominantly, but not a team. And then when we see in the Bible and the Scriptures, when Paul goes to to the Corinthians, when he goes to Ephesus, he calls the elders, a team of men who came forth because he was explaining the fact that one man will stumble and fall, yet a, a three-cord cannot be broken. So when you, when you begin to break down these, these three-cord, these three, this three I believe it, it is based on, on three steps. The first is what's known as a chief elder. When we look through the Bible, we see chief, a chief something in, in a lot of certain areas. So we see Paul and Barnabas were called to be chief men among the brethren in Acts 15.22. We see chief priests among the priesthood in Luke 9.22.20-1. We see chief Pharisees in Luke. We see chief musicians in the tabernacle of David. And we see chief apostles in Corinthians among a number of others. So throughout the Bible, we begin to see this this chief um, aspect of a, of a team. That chief word can be swapped for lead, visionary, whatever language we fit in. In, in the um, Jewish culture, they use the word chief, which was translated from... Anyway, but there, was a, there was a chief, a lead player, a captain on the team as such. But in every instances of those places, you saw a team of leaders, what they called a plurality. Plurality of leaders. <laughs> More than one, more than one, a team led by a chief elder. So the other week when we made that announcement that Jess and I are, are, are taking over the church, what we were speaking of is that chief role, that Jess and I will take over the visionary lead of the church, the chief lead of the church, but we don't do it on our own. At the moment, we have with us Mal and Edith on our team, and we want to grow that, but the very reality of what we're doing in this is that the church should never be built on Jess and I, nor should it never be built on, on Mal and Edith or any one leader in that such. Yes, there's a visionary because without visionary we, we come to that place of anarchy where nothing happens. But there has to be a team for two reasons. The people, the saints, and for that elder as well. I've, my heart breaks when I watch church leaders go into disarray. 
because they have such a heavy weight. I don't think the church realized the weight that, that leaders carry. They carry such a heavy, heavy weight and the enemy is just hacking at their shins. And, they, back, and they, they buckle sometimes. We look at them and go, I can't believe he would do that. But we need to look and go, oh my goodness. I wish he had a support network that could have taken him out of that place. I wish that there was a team there willing to reach in and say, hey, we got this while you go and rest. To shift the load so that things aren't so heavy. So in this we see uh, the, the chief elder as being the first among equals which is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about who becomes the greatest. We don't enroll somebody to lead in a place where we, we say to them, you are above everybody else. They become the first among equals, the, the team captain. On a, on a football team, the, there is a captain who plays. He doesn't, he's not always necessarily the best player on the team. He's the best leader on the team. He's a person that can take the team to the next level. In the church, we tend to focus on the best preacher, or the best evangelist, we'll pick a gift and we'll, we'll focus on that. But we don't do that in any other aspects of our life. We just do that in the church. Like I said, on a football team, you chase the best leader. Who's in the sheds pumping guys up? You know, After the game when there's a loss, who's in the, in the background you know, telling people they did a good game, supporting the team, pushing us in a different direction? It's not the best player, it's the best leader. So God appoints someone that he knows can A, carry the weight, and B, lead the people into the direction that he wants them to go. So as we begin to build, we are going to highlight and be, be asking God to show us who are those guys that can do better in that, in that position. We have to get to a place where the church, all of us realize it has nothing to do with my abilities or Jess's abilities, but rather it has to do with every single one of us coming together and using the gifts that God's given us to create a, a ship that goes in the direction he wants us to go. Is that okay? Everyone's here. Yeah? I know you're listening, but it's good to know when people are, are here. So the very, the very, nope, go back. The very, thank you, sorry, Ben. The very model, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm all over the shop. The very model, the, the very reason that this is is laid on its side and, and looks more like an arrow. It was going to look like an arrow, but Jess didn't like it, so we had to change it a little bit, and she made it better. Because Jess is my uh, brilliant masterwork on these slides. You should see mine. They're, they're terrible. But the very, the very reason that this is on its side in a, in a, a model that's, that's, that's based on Jesus is because there can be movements in this. There will come a time where God will say, Ben, Jess, I have somebody to take the church to the next step. If we go, no, hang on a moment, God, this is my church. We've lost the plot. As so many other leaders get to, and then later on down the track, they hurt. But had they listened, and, and look, I'm, this is great for us to say, and obviously we then step into the next um, section of this was where we begin to outwork it. But without saying this, then we have nowhere to outwork. So I'm not saying we're going to do this perfect. But what I am saying is that this is the model that we want to base this church on. When God says, Ben, Jess, it's your time to hand this and this is the person to hand it to, we've got to do that. Because then God will take the church to the next step. The glory upon the glory. Do you want to know why there's a lot of people and churches that don't go to the next step of the glory? Because they don't listen to the next step. They're so busy pulling the cart the wrong direction. And then they're going, God, why, why can't I get that next step of glory? Because you won't listen to me. 
The next step is in this direction. You take that and I'll pour glory out on you. Instead, we've got to go your way and I have to keep fixing all the mess-ups that you keep doing, which he does do with us and, and he loves us through that time. But isn't it so much easier if we go, God, what next? And then we take that step, God, what next? Because then that step goes glory to glory to glory until we look back and go, oh my goodness, how did I get to this place? Because I listened to you in the first place. So the very reason that we, we build a church based on, on Jesus and then moves into the, the, the team leadership of elders, then onto a team leadership of deacons, then down into the saints, sorry, not down, across into the saints, is the fact that, that there's a safety for all of us in that. The leaders have a safety net. The deacons have a safety net and the saints have a safety net. And there is no hierarchy. There's no stepping up and stepping down. There's stepping across because of your gifts and your ability. I'm going to get to this later, but the team will change that we have. The team has changed from six when we first started down to now the, the two couples of four of us. Not because the other guys have been naughty and they get a slap on the wrist, but because God shifts the team. Just like he brings, just like you bring subs on and subs on, off and on on sport. God goes, okay, guys, we're coming into this season and Ben, you're too soft to go through this, so I want to put someone else in who I know can, can hold the shield. So he was put him in. That's good for us. Because now we go, fantastic. This guy has the ability. There's times where I'll sit with Mal and go, mate, I don't know how you did that. I could not have done that. But he called Mal, God called Mal into that position because God's going, I know Mal will deal with this. And then I get to grow by watching Mal and go, man, that is fantastic. So when we begin to learn that, hey, it's not, it's not about the fact that you're not good enough, so I'm putting someone in. It's God going, hey, I want to protect you and I want to bring this guy in, so let's just swap that over. But because we're human and we want the title and we want the, to climb the ladder and get to the top, we get hurt and then we leave. And then God goes, now I'm going to bring somebody else in to fill that position where it was your job. And he had glory for you in that. And then you, people go to the next church and they get the same thing. They start to climb the ladder and then God goes, I've got someone else there. And they go, oh, it happened again. I better move again. But when we start to learn God has a place for you and he will take you from glory to glory, it will look different to what you have, but he has something for you in that place. The deacons is, is something that we haven't got in place yet, but we will get to in place. And just quickly let me say this before we go on there. The bringing on... Actually, no, I'll, I'll leave that until the end. Sorry. I, I, I was saying to Jess this morning, I'd, this is a difficult thing to communicate because it's, it's a different model. It's, it's, it shouldn't be, but it's a model that people haven't seen in, in a little while, which is saddening. But it's a model that I, I need to communicate well and, and I'm hoping that I'm, I'm getting it across that you understand. So the deacons will be... If you, if you look in the church, the, the qualifications of a deacon are that, that looking after of people, that growing and strengthening of pe people, that the very essence of a disciple creating a disciple. So deacons are important at church, church, rarely highlighted, but are important because they're the protecting of and the growing up of the saints. So the, the deaconship of the church we are going to put in place and the reason for that is that it is the most exciting and biblical way to grow people and to 
to bring people into that next step of glory. Saints, obviously, the, the, the people, all of the people, as the saints gather, the church, the people gathered, that's the saints. Okay, go to the next slide for me, Benny, please. And I want to explain this. So here we have the house that we're building, the very essence of what this is that we're doing here, the God-called and ordained essence of the church, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, always following that directional cornerstone. We spoke about that, that as you place a stone, the first stone you place is Jesus, the cornerstone. The next stone is placed in, in absolute um, mimic of the first stone. And the next of the next, the next of the next. So when you get your war in a building thing, you look back down, they're all Jesus placed stones back onto the cornerstone. So the first thing is our foundation. The, 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 one of the pillars, the first pillar on the left, that you see the ascension gifts. We are going to break this down in a, a series, I guess, if you want to call it that, to express the understanding of the gifts. I'm not going to do that today. But the, the Ephesians 4, fivefold ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. The fivefold gift that's expressed in Ephesians 4. The reason that they are a pillar of this house is because they're the very um, tools that God gave the church to build the church in the correct model. He called those in the, in the Bible who were to be these the gifts. Paul carried the gift of an apostle. When you look at the life of Paul, he went into a church, he established a church, he put elders in place and then he left but he created the church he built the church on an understanding of who god was and who jesus was going to be in that place they then continued the building of the church he stayed for some time then he left and he planted church i believe that in the the western church we have so many who carry a, an apostle gifting a a church planning gift of their life but because of the model of the church that says don't leave work your way up in this church they never, ever get to plant churches. Mal talked about the fact that some of the most incredible inventions are in the graveyard, never created. Some of the most impactful churches are in the graveyard because they never got out of that model and expressed who God had them to be. So the second one that you see up there are the elders. Obviously, we've just spoken about it before, the, the team, the, the, the very leadership of the church, the, the directional explaining and understanding and outworking of the church is the, is the next pillar. Then we have the deacons, which I explained, and the saints is the final one. And then the roof, the thing that, that keeps it all in place, are the people, the community. Without the people, there's no need for the other four. But without the other four, we can't have the people. So you can't have one without the other. We can't have... A church without saints, because what's the point? There's an importance of what we are building here, and there is a need for what we are building. And every gift in this house, I will say it until I'm blue in the face, but every gift in this house is important to build what God has us to build. Will he build it? Yes. He will bring people to build that. But he's probably already bought the person that needs to build that thing that's here. So as we start to move forward and get excited and encourage one another, we start to understand that there is a direction that we are taking that acquires, sorry, that needs all four of these things. Obviously, we, we build the church without Jesus and it falls over. 
So I know that there's a that this is a very um, long explaining, and if you're just visiting, I apologise. This is something that that needs to happen, though. We need to explain this. Uh, one of, one of the other things that you see in this model is, you know, it's it's not Jesus and everything flowing down. Jesus isn't at the roof. Jesus is at the foundation, and so it's it's symbolic of that um, servanthood. Jesus came to serve. And and so, you know, we see the 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 the, the servant, the the greatest servant of all, Jesus, um, at the foundation, and then the the ascension uh, gifts, the elders, the deacons, the saints. It's it's a servanthood role into the community and the family, and um, and, and you know that that arrow is all about advancing the kingdom of God into the world. Um, and so, essentially, we're serving the world as Christians. Um, you know, that's one of the greatest things that Joseph was renowned for. He actually served Egypt. Um, but in serving Egypt, he, he let God be known. And so, you know, we never lose sight of the fact that um, it's, a, it's a servant leadership um, model. And, and it's, a, it's a plurality um, of that leadership. So is everyone good? Does anyone have any questions at this point? Yep. Yeah. Luke 22 there. 29. And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom. That means that we've all been assigned a kingdom and we work in that kingdom together with the other. And as he showed me that, well, as I got the understanding, I saw something that he showed me years ago in a vision. Picture a a small bucket full of marbles. There's one big marble and then there's, say, five different size marbles and then a whole heap of marbles. And there's a pond you throw that up into the air and when it hits, the big marble is going to make big waves, circles and so forth around. And as he showed me in that one from before, each ring intersects with every other part of what's going on in that pool. And that's what we would be doing, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah that's incredible. And that's... And that's exactly that's exactly the point that we that that we're going for in this is that every voice is important, every gift is important, and there's a place for each of those gifts. I often talk with God about why Jess and I stand in the place that we stand, and I had a um, we had a I had a vision. I heard you too, Malcolm. <laughs> I had a, I was on a, the first time I ever went to India, we got on a train, um, Brad and I and, and, and Jess and a couple of other guys got on a train and, um, we went and it was the first time I ever met David and we went, I was in this, in this carriage, Indian train station, the most ridiculous thing you'll ever see in your entire life. But we got on this train and this, this guy walked in who Brad had told me about, David, the guy that I was going to meet. And he walks in, he shook my hand. The first thing he says to me, he said, God has a, a calling on your life and you will, you will move through the steps very quickly 
and you will be in a place, a seat that, um, of authority that you'll get to very quickly. At the time, I was studying my criminology degree, so I was thinking, yes, commissioner, police commissioner, boom. <laughs> but he said to me, yeah, little did I find out, it's not where I was going. But he said to me, you must never forget the fact that you didn't get there on your own ability. He said, you got there because God wants you there. And I've carried that thing and read that thing and gone, God, what is it? And it occurred to me the other day that God, there's nothing Jess and I did to be where we are except for listen to God. And that's not trying to toot my own horn. That's just saying that we, it, my, my gifts and abilities would make us fall very short. And we can't lead this church on gifts and abilities. But we can lead with God and with the gifts and abilities that he gives all of us and the call that he gives all of us. So just go to the next slide, please, Benjamin. It's odd saying Ben when I'm Ben. So the reason that I've got written there, our community leadership, is at this stage, we don't have elders in place. And I want to explain why we don't have elders in place. We don't have elders in place because as we merged this church, we had two um, spheres that were being known as the apostolic fear for each of the houses. We didn't go with either one of the spheres straight off the bat. We, we really sought God on what sphere, what apostolic sphere we wanted to have voice in this house. So the reason that we haven't been prayed on as elders and an eldership team hasn't been prayed on and established is because we had to understand who was the apostolic voice into this house. So since then, we have locked down that, that just go next slide real quick, Benny, then we'll go back, that Mike and Charmaine Eltringham at the moment are one of the only external voices into the house. And we see Mike and Charmaine Eltringham as the apostle to this house. So the way that that is built, if you want to understand how an apostle works, go and read Paul, the way Paul speaks with the Corinthians. Paul never forces the Corinthians to do something. He never makes them change the way they were building. He has a voice in as a relationship voice to say, you guys are stuffing it up. Let's do it better. And when you read how Paul writes to the Corinthians, I am blown away. The Corinthians blows me away. He is brutal to the Corinthians. Yet we know that he, he, they wrote back with love because they, they had a relationship that they built with him and they trusted and honored his voice that he had in the church. That is the same way that we relate with Mike and Charmaine. We believe that they are the apostle called to lead this house. They lead... Um, uh, apostles in many other houses. Their voice is important and their voice has been a part of every change and everything that we've done here since we planted. They have spent, we Skype with them, we spend phone calls with them and they will come in minimum once a year. And they live in Dubai and go to some of the most ridiculous countries helping to build churches. The reason we build with Mike and Charmaine is that, that we feel God has, has put them in our path and called them to lead this. It started with a relationship that Brad carried with them. He was on uh, their eldership team when they were leading a church. They no longer lead that church. They, he felt God give him a vision to go and be a father to churches, which is when you, when you look into the Bible and understand that the, the apostle, I can't remember where it is, but it talks about the fact that the apostle is actually called to be a father to the house. So Mike and Charmaine will stand as the apostolic voice into this house. 
they will pray, they will lay hands, which is what we believe is the biblical model, they will lay hands on those that um, we will bring on as elders and they will hopefully be doing that at the end of the year if their schedule is not ridiculous. So the reason that we haven't done that is that we don't want to jump the gun and say that we're just elders without... Um, he's, he was completely aware of when they were here in a few months ago, they were a part of the conversation about Jess and I taking over the lead role. Um, they were a part of that and a big part of that. Um, but we want to do the right thing and the correct biblical thing and have them lay hands and pray us in as elders. Of which, at this stage, that will hopefully be at the end of the year. So at the moment, go back please. Yes. You just you, you said something incorrect there. You said they are the apostles that, that lead this house. Okay, you just need to take that back. They don't lead the house. The elders lead the house in plurality, and they are a voice that has been invited in to assist us in building. Just, just so that everyone... Because straight away, it's hierarchy in people's mindsets again. There is no apostle in this house. Apostle over this house. There isn't one. Yes, that's brilliant. Thank you. No, that's my, my bad. They will not swoop in and be able to change things in this house. Brad's absolutely correct. The whole reason I went to explain what Paul was doing in the Corinthians is that he didn't affect the changes in the house. His voice came into the house, which is the same here. Mike speaks in and the elders make the decision based on him as, a, as an apostolic voice into this house. So he cannot hire and fire, as we have seen all over the coast, which makes me very upset, but guys that swoop in and take somebody out because they don't like the direction or the call. However, no decisions get made in this church without the, no big decisions get made in this church without the, the voices in of, of Mike and Charmaine and then a discussion had by the, the eldership of what will be the eldership. Is that good? Is everyone okay with that? I mean, we're not voting on it, but are you okay understanding-wise? <laughs> there will be no votes. Yeah, there's a ballot box. Let us know. No, no, but like, um, understanding-wise, everyone is that clear? Does that that make sense? There's, is there any questions around how something would work with that? Yeah. As you were speaking, I was thinking of my experience that I had on Tuesday night. Uh, well, I've just started doing um, outrigging. Has, does anyone know what an outrigger is? Yeah, it's hard work, but it's a big, long canoe and there's a guy at the back, um, he's the chief, like you said, <laughs> and he steers, steers the boat, uh, the canoe, and there was 12 of us on Tuesday night and it was just a good um, illustration, like you said, soccer was an illustration, um, and there's a person up the front and it, uh, the person was like 13 or 14 years old. And there's all these guys and girls in the boat and they're all having to work together to move it forward. So And that and that's exactly right. You know, there's the the boat can't just go with the guy at the back. It's gotta have a team willing to to play their part and to do what's been done. So cool. If that's all good, the last thing I just wanna I wanna express before I get to our last slide, the last thing I wanna just go to the pig picture, Benny, two more. Brilliant. Um, is the finances. 
Something in church that um, is very dividing, is a very tough thing to talk about, is a very um, hidden away thing because we don't want people to know what's happening, even though it's just that's the way it is because no one likes to talk about it. Our finances up until this point have been done incredibly um, by Dave and Pete Bartlett and a, a team of guys with Mal and Edie that have been putting the finances together. We have since shuffled um, that team. A few of the guys felt to step aside and, and just wait to see what's happening. So since then, we have had um, a number of other guys helping with that. And in the next two weeks, we're going to put together what we're going to call a financial team, finances team, the finances, whatever. It, there's no name that needs to be specific. But what the financial team will do is aid myself and Jess and Mal and Edith in decisions that get made financially for the church. The same as we want to protect each other, we want to protect the fact that we're doing what God wants us to do with this house. It's very easy to get caught in a business model mindset and go, we can barely afford rent, so let's not give to anybody, let's just pay rent this week. But we need safeties in place. We're going, well, actually, that's not the model that God, pardon me, that God's given us. Having stepped into finances for the first time in a church in the last two weeks, I completely understand why people stuff it up. Be very slow to speak when it comes to the way that, guys, it's a very difficult thing. Obviously, there's no set finances that come in, but the guys, you guys have done an incredible job, so I want to honor you for that. Um, but finances is tricky for a church because there's no set amount that comes in, yet we have set bills that go out every week. Now, we fully believe that God is doing something in this place, so I have no problem saying that God's going to pay for it. But we also want to put a team in place that can help um, keep us on track in that as well. So that will be announced to the team once we finalize it and put it all together. But at the moment, we just want you to know that the finances are not closed. We want to express where our money goes because it's exciting for you guys to know as it's exciting for us. We get to see the cool things that we're doing. We send money to the orphanage in, in Sri Lanka. We're sending guys, money to the guys in India. We are, we are sending money to a church on the coast um, to help them build. We are doing things in this city and in this, this nation that are exciting. So we want you to be a part of that. But also it's nice to know that you guys can, can see the exciting things that's happening. You know? So don't think that we're hiding that. We just need to, a couple of weeks to get our ducks in a row and get a team that's going to help move forward with that. So is that all I wanted to say on that? Yes. Yeah, so that team will advise the elders the same way. They'll bring advice into those meetings to which the elders will then go away and dis- discuss and make a final decision for the benefit and moving forward of the church. Cool. Go to our last slide, please, Benjamin. Almost finished. Cool. Our community, positioning our lives in Jesus and becoming examples of him. The catchphrase of a church, I was told by a few people, is very important. And I didn't think it was important. I was going to not do it. I was going to toss it away. But, you know, this slogan, this thing that that has elements of, of um, the leadership and what we're trying to express. This is what we've been harping on about for the last six weeks, that everything that we do in this house is, an, is to be an example of Jesus Christ, that everything that we build in this house is to exemplify who he is and what he did and what he's continuing to do. So this isn't just a slogan that we go, oh, cool, that's what we've got. We'll put it on a banner and we'll wave it around a bit. This encompasses everything that is in our DNA and our vision. That when I read this, 
I'm questioning myself and going, am I doing all that I can to stand on what we're trying to build? Or are we just saying that so that we can get a million Facebook likes? Or are we actually positioning ourselves like this? So the reason that we're a bit sneaky with this thing is that that's a question that I want to ask myself every day. God, today, am I positioning myself where I can be an example of you? So let's stand and let's pray. So guys, we're going to put this up on the website. Um, it's on Facebook at the moment. Um, we're going to put it up on the website so that you can go and have a look once our website launches. Um, and the reason for that is that we want you guys to be able to revisit it. If you are a part of this church and calling this church home, this is what we're standing on. This is what we're trying to build. So we have to be able to revisit it and, and re-look at it and, and grow into it. Is that okay? Okay, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. Jesus, we just honor you in this place. God, we just declare now that your kingdom comes in this place. And above all, God, that your will be done in this place, Father. We just pray right now, Lord, that any, any tradition of man that we are, are striving for gets broken and, and torn away right now. That any heart that's not of you, Father, is, is questioned to rethink and realign themselves with you, Father. But right now, God, we just ask that you just pour your spirit, Holy Spirit, you come and move amongst us. Excite us. Give us dreams and visions. Give us a heart for your church and your people, Father. Give us a heart to understand what you want us to do and where you want us to be, Father. We just thank you, God. We honor you. And we just praise your name, Father. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you have any questions, please come and chat with me. Talk to Jess. <laughs> if you have any questions, give me a call. I'm more than happy. I'm, I'm in the office three days a week, but I'm, I'm working five days a week. So if you've got a question, give me a call. Arne called me today, spoke for two hours, took two hours, oh, the other Wednesday, took two hours of my time. No, it was awesome. Call me, ask questions. We're a family. Let's talk about this. Let's discuss this. Let's get excited. So go, be, enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon.